this idea sitting over here. You know, you, you've heard of Super Bowl parties. Why don't you invite your neighbors or friends that don't go to church and have an AD party, after dinner party? You know, and say, hey, come over some Sunday night after supper and stay the weekend. <coughs> you know. And while you're here, we'll, we'll just happen to watch the movie that's on TV. You know, it's an AD movie. And uh, excellent, excellent thing. And so there's an opportunity to do that. All right, open your Bibles, if you will. If you haven't found Luke chapter 5, go to Matthew and turn back to the right a few uh, books. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 5. We'll look at the first 11 verses. <clears throat> Stand with me out of respect. And <clears throat> one of the things, and you'll see in this chapter, but one of the things the rabbis or the teachers did, they stood to read Scripture. They stood for Scripture reading, which is something like what we're doing for the reading of the Scripture. And then they sat to teach. Uh, that's how they, the appropriate position for teaching and reading Scripture. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Generous, or Sea of Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets, because they normally fished at night, is why, <clears throat> when it was cooler. And he entered into one of the ships, and, which was Simon, that's Simon Peter's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ships. He sat down and taught. When they taught, they sat. When they read scripture, they stood. Verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, He always comes up with excuses. Do you come up with excuses when God asks you to do something? I do sometimes. And we have toiled all, all the night and have taken nothing. But he said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, here's a carpenter telling a fisherman how to do his job. <laughs> and Simon Peter said, nevertheless, I'm going to do it. Verse 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him and at the draught of the fishes, or at the amount of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. They were in fishing business together. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. He said, From now on, Forget the dead fishes, for now on you're going to catch live men. That's what you're going to do is what the priest said. In verse 11, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, I ask you to work with people today. Touch their hearts mightily, Lord, that they might see the need of uh, surrendering all. They see the need of forsaking and following. Lord, see the need that uh, discipleship costs. See the importance, Lord. Uh, there may be some here today that uh, this, they're new to church, they don't understand it all, and Lord, we ask you to be with them and encourage them, uh, help them, because Lord, I know where they're at. I've been there. Sometimes I still don't understand it all, and Lord, uh, I, I still got a lot to learn. Thank you for being patient with me in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I titled this message, What Will It Cost to Be Used by God? It costs something to take a vacation. We went on vacation. That cost us. 
when you go on vacation, it costs. Anytime you want something, you have to give up something to get something. And so it costs something to be a disciple. Now, salvation is free. Now, don't get it mixed up with the cost of salvation. Salvation is free, but it costs us something to be a disciple of Christ. Now, it's the same like growing spiritually and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ involves two things, forsaking and following. It involves forsaking and following. And forsaking and following have both the negative and the positive condemnation or an action. You forsake something negative or something bad, and then you, you follow or pick up something good. And if we were saying it today, we could say it all in one word. We could say all this in one word. That one word is surrender. You need to surrender. Otherwise, forsaking, surrendering something in order to follow or surrender to another's way. And so to be a disciple of Christ, we need to surrender. We need to forsake our desires, our wants, our uh, dreams, goals, and to we need to forsake that, and we need to follow Christ, pick up his and follow him, and start doing what he wants us to do and what he asks us to do. Just like Peter come up with, with excuses, most of us come up with excuses today, don't we? We're to use our abilities and gifts to serve and to glorify God. That's our whole purpose. That's why God gives you spiritual gifts. That's why God gives you spiritual talents. So in this count, though, this is a calling of the disciples, but in this count, it's not the first time the disciples have met Jesus. In fact, Luke tells us a little earlier that, that uh, uh, Jesus had healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, we know in one of the Gospels it says, And Andrew came to Peter and said, Come, I brought you the Messiah. Come and see the Messiah. And he, and he brought him to him. They, they saw the miracle power of Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. They, I think they even accepted who Jesus was. They possibly got salvation, but they didn't get commitment. They did not begin to change their life and let Christ enter in. They accepted him. They knew who he was, they, but they just didn't follow him for a full time. But in this case, in Luke chapter 5, they're going to begin following him in a full time. And there's many people sitting out there just like Ed and I, knew who Jesus was, introduced to him, accepted him salvation, but just didn't follow him, didn't give him our all, didn't go all the way Took a few years to get saved. Took a year before, after salvation, before he got baptized. It took us some time to get in there. And you know what? Truth is, we're still in that process. There's still some things in our lives that we need to give over to Jesus, to give to Him, turn to Him. If Peter is used, and he and if he's ever going to be used to God, if Jesus is zeroing in on him. Then by Jesus, he had to first surrender four things to Jesus. And the same is true for you and I today. If we're going to ever be used by God, there are four things in our lives that we've got to surrender over. Number one, we've got to surrender our possessions. He had to surrender his possessions. He owned the ships. He had a business. And he entered to one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little deeper. Otherwise, Jesus said, hey, please, will you, would you let uh, the ship, would you thrust out a little deeper? And he sat down and taught disciples. I saw that amphitheater effect would take place in that, and he came that way. Surrendering what we have to Jesus, though, usually takes a process. It just doesn't wham. Now, I have met people that it just, whoo, it happens. But there's maybe more of them are like Ed and I or like me, I'm a little more cautious, a little more. 
skeptical, if you will. Uh, I, I, I wanted to go to heaven. I got saved to go to heaven to miss out on hell. I didn't know what else that Jesus was going to ask me to do. I wasn't sure what else he wanted to do in my life. And, but I knew that's what Jesus had some things for. But if you're going to leave, you have to surrender your possession. And it usually takes a process. For example, in verse 3, Jesus just asked for the loan of the boat. He just said, hey, can I borrow your boat for a few minutes? I prayed. He asked. He said, look, just kind of ship it out. Let me borrow it. But in verse chapter 11, he says, hey, we see Peter doing what? Forsaking. Forsaking and following. Surrender. We see Jesus. For, uh, we see Peter forsaking his, his ship, his all, to Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to understand. Truth. Discipleship is costly. Not salvation. Salvation has been paid for by Jesus Christ, but discipleship is costly. Also, the truth is discipleship is rewarded in heaven. We're going to be rewarded. Now, I want to take you to a conversation that Peter had just uh, two years later, if you will. He's following full time. Now, Peter, God's got something special for Peter. Peter was more or less the leader of the disciples and, and a guy that was in charge, and now he comes up there, and this conversation takes. Well, let's just let's just step in and listen to it from Jesus Christ and, and Peter. Matthew chapter nineteen, verse twenty-seven through thirty. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, he said, We've forsaken all, and followed you. We gave up everything that was important to us and followed us. What shall we have therefore? What am I going to get out of it? And the truth of the matter is, folks, that's what you and I want to know too, don't. We want to know what we're going to get by following Jesus. If I tithe, if I give him my time, if I give him my talent, if I'm faithful to church, if I'm going to, what am I going to get out of this? Well, heaven for sure. That comes with salvation. Well, I get heaven as long as I accept Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. You get heaven. But what, what are we going to get? And that's what Peter asked. So Peter asked the same question you and I have asked or wondered to ourselves. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say, that ye which follow, <coughs> have followed me in the, re, in the regeneration, or when the, when the, follow me after I am raised again and in heaven, when the Son of Man shall set in the throne of glory, ye also shall upon, set upon twelve uh, thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one, who? Uh, who? That you and I? Is that everything, everybody accepted Christ before us? Yes or no? Is that everything except the Christ, everyone after us? All right. Boy, you guys are down today. What a man. You know, let's, yeah, maybe I ought to do like drill sergeant. You know, let's stand on your feet, and we'll do exercises or something. <laughs> I'm telling you. Jim said, no. <laughs> and everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren, so you didn't get everything you wanted here? Our sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wife, or children of land, for my name's sake, everyone that has forsaken some, everyone that has forsaken those things that they think are important to them. What's more important than your mom and dad, your wife, your children? Nothing. I mean, you always get a house. I mean, you know, whatever. You always get a car. You always get a boat. What's more important? There's nothing more important than the than family. He says, if you do it for my name's sake, otherwise. You know, you're com those that's coming and, and coming and, and you just can't seem to get your husband or you can't seem to get your wife or you can't seem to get your kids. Stay after it. 
For whoever does it for my namesake with the right attitude for the right reason shall receive what? A hundred times that. You're going to receive a hundred times and shall inherit everlasting life. Because you're going to have that. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So discipleship costs something, but discipleship is rewarded. That's what we need to understand. You get highly rewarded. It's rewarded in eternal life. It's in heaven. It's time now that we start working for our rewards and we send our treasures up that they talk about. Listen, Peter first surrendered his precious. Number two, Peter must surrender his will. Now, will is made up of, of, of your mind, uh, your emotions, and your intellect. That's your will. That's, that's basically who you are. If you don't surrender your will, you don't get saved. You can surrender, you can surrender emotionally. You can surrender physically. But if you're going to hang on to your own will, you chances are you didn't truly get saved. Because you've got to surrender your will. He's got to come to commit. And that's what Peter had to do. We have to commit our will. I think that's what uh, Paul meant when he said he dies daily. He surrendered his want to, his will daily. It's a daily process. Remember, surrendering your all and, and being part of Jesus, that, that's a process. That takes time. Listen, verse 4. Now when he left speaking, he said unto the Simon, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a drop, for a big catch. He said, man, you're going to get it big. How are you going to catch it? Now there's a new captain on the ship. And there's a new captain on your ship, if you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. You say, yeah, but I, I, I've, I've uh, dethroned him at times. So have I. I take him off the throne, and I step up and put my will, my way back into control. That's the sad part of our surrendering our will. It's, it's a process, and it happens daily. Not only that, when Jesus comes into a life, he comes to take charge. He don't come to be second fiddle. He comes to be the orchestra director, if you will. You see, he comes to implement change. If there's not a change taking place in your life, you need to examine your, yourself. You need to do a, a check on your heart and find out if you surrendered your will or did you just at one point went through the process. See, everybody walks down an aisle and raises a hand in church or prays at an altar that doesn't mean salvation. There's some, they don't always possess Christ. They, pro, they don't possess him. They, they just profess him to be the one. But we need to possess Jesus Christ in our heart. Not only that, when Christ comes in our heart, he comes to remove old things and to make all things new. Oh, I'm thankful, man. I, I don't want to live the same way I used to. I don't want to live like I did. Uh, see, I got saved on in November 1977. I don't want to go back to 1976 and or October of 77 in the months and years uh, prior to that. I don't want that. That's not my desire, and I'm sure it's not yours either. You don't want to live the way you used to live. That's because there's a change. There's a new captain aboard. There's someone that's in charge of what's going on. And Jesus told Peter, launch out into the deep now, buddy. You're going to catch something big, and you're going to do it with any time. Now, take in mind, look at the word. The nets aren't even on board the ship. They had to get the nets on board the ship because they were cleaning the nets. They had to put the nets on board the ship. He had to get some people on board the ship. And then he had to yield to a new captain, to a carpenter. You remember, some of you may remember, I 
preach the message. He's more than a carpenter. There's a book out there by Josh McDowell. There's more than a carpenter. Excellent book. Listen, the psalmist understood this truth, and he understood it early in his life, way before Christ ever come on the scene. He says in Psalms 143, verse 10, it says, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. The Spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Can you say that? Teach me to do good, for thou art my God. If you can say that, you're asking God to teach you. See, the important thing is to teach me and then to lead me. It's a process. Teach me and lead me. The psalmist understood he needed to be taught, and then he needed to be led. My question is, who's teaching you and who's leading your life? You are the captain. You see, I ask uh, uh, on, on the USS uh, Alabama battleship, uh, sitting down there, we went, got to go through it from uh, stern to stem to stern and, and port to, to starboard, and, and I'll tell you what all that means later if you want. I had, we had an excellent time. Our son-in-law spent six or eight years in the Navy. I can't remember. And so he showed us a lot of stuff. We got to see some uh, great stuff. We got the birthing section, and he told about what it was, and, and, and they, had, they had tours. But, man, it's really neat when you got somebody there that's been on a ship that understands how to do a sounding, see if the ship's taking on water. I didn't know what them caps were for. Nobody else seemed to know unless you'd been in the Navy. But you take them off, you drop them down, see if the ship's taking on. But anyway, in one place, Zachary and Mike and I went all the way up to the, to the stop top up there to the not the crow's nest but where the where the captain was at what'd you say Ron bridge thank you I knew it was called something <laughs> I, I could remember the the brig but the bridge I was <laughs> and uh you go all the way up there and we went to the bridge and there was a, a admiral's uh, uh, place was stayed up there and Admiral Byrd was on board the ship for a few months so I asked Mike and I'm smart enough to know admirals hiring a captain of a ship. I said, who's in charge of the ship, the admiral or the captain? He said, the captain's in charge. The admiral just suggests <laughs> strongly. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I can understand that. But that, that just was, so who's in charge of your ship? It costs something. It costs $13.95 or $14 to go see that and then the, the submarine, the drummer. But well, it didn't cost me being retired. I got to go free, and that's one of the things I think. But listen, who's in charge of your ship? But it didn't cost you anything. Jesus Christ paid it all. I just had to show them my ID card. They let me in. Pay for it. All you have to do is show who's in your heart, and they let you in. Jesus Christ. So the, who's teaching you and who's leading your life? Listen. It's kind of like a, a horse who is to, to be broken and then ridden, and then you got to rain break them, you know, to, to, change, to get them to turn. But, but first you got to break them, so then you can ride them. And then you, Frank knows his, his dad used to break horses and uh, used to break boys too. Oh. <laughs> Listen, when Jesus gave us the model prayer, he said it this way, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've all prayed it at one time or another in our lives. It's his will that's to be done on earth. It's his will that's supposed to be done. Not my will. Not your will. 
that's his word. You see, we got a new captain on board. The sad part is we don't listen to the directions of the captain. Sometimes that'd be like a captain not listening to the direction of the admiral, even though the admiral's alone. We got the Holy Spirit inside us. Jesus modeled this perfectly when he was praying in the garden just before he was to go to the cross. Now, you know, Jesus healed people, did he not? Yes or no? Jesus saved people, did he not? Jesus rose people from the dead, did he not? But you know what? In the garden, Jesus is at the end of his race, and he's getting ready. But he asked God for a different way to go. What made the difference? Oh, we easily say, well, he was God. He was the son of God. Let me share with you. Luke 22, 39 through 43. And he came out and went as he was wont, or as he normally did, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. I mean, it was his custom. That's where he went. That was one of his favorite places, the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he was at the place, the Garden of Gethsemane, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. You see, we need to pray that we're not going to enter into temptation. You know what happens? Here's what happens a lot of times. We wake up, we wake up in the morning and we, get our, we say our prayers, Lord, I have done good today. I haven't said a curse word. I haven't thought a bad thought about anybody or anything. But, Lord, I'm going to be getting out of bed in seconds, and I'm going to need your help. Enter not in temptation. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, and he said, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. Jesus did a lot of praying. He got off by himself a lot of times, most of the times, and he prayed. We need to pray. But this is what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. If there's any other way that this can happen, let it happen. I, he, he's at the, finishing his course. He's going to go to the cross here in just a few hours, and he's going to be crucified. He's going to be whooped. He's going to be beaten on us. And he's saying, if there's any other way, let it happen. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy be done. Not what I want, what you want. You know what the difference was that took place? Oh, certainly he was God. But he was just much human as you and I. This is probably, I feel, one of his greatest, if not the greatest temptation that he ever faced. The desert, the 40 days, sure, the hunger, the 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 uh, uh, the gift, all that kind of stuff that, that he's going to get, that was tempting, but right here it was, because he knew what was going to happen. And folks, if you've ever finished a race, once you get a taste of finishing, you want to keep finishing. And Jesus wanted to finish his race. That's what made the difference. Not his way but God's way. He said, this is what I ask for, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's what made the difference in Jesus' life. He healed people, raised people from the dead, and he had the power to call down 10,000 angels, a league of angels keep from going to heaven. He could have done all of that, 
But in the human side of him, like you and I, he said, Lord, please, if there's any other way, would you show me? And then I believe he took a deep breath and said, nevertheless, not my way, Lord, but your way. Let your will be done in my life. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. You see, Jesus helped everybody else, but in human form, he couldn't help himself. In God form, he had the power to do what he wanted. And that's why he knows how you feel when you're tired, when you're sick, when you're hungry, when you're cold, when, when you're happy. He knows. And there appeared an angel to strengthen him. Where was the angel at before? Waiting in heaven. Waiting for that human side of Jesus to say, not my way, but your way, God. Not what I want, not the what I'd like to see, not the way I want it to be. And that's where it needs to be in our marriage. It needs to be that way with our kids. It needs to be that way on our jobs. It needs to be that way at school. It needs to be that way in church. Not my way, but your way. The problem with us today, we want our way. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I tithe, I serve God, I give my time, and I want what I want when I want it and how I want it. Oh, surely you don't. You're not that spiritual. You don't, you're more spiritual than me, possibly. You don't get it that way. But see, it's not our way, it's God's way, and that's what we need to see. Peter must surrender his possessions. Peter must surrender his will. When was the last time you, by yourself, not with your spouse, came before God and said, here I am, Lord. Here's all my stuff. Here's all my dreams. Here's all my plans. Here's all my future. I place all before you. Show me what you want me to change in my life. Show me what you want me to do today. And every day in the future. When's the last time you said that? Here I am, Lord. Here's all my stuff. Here's all my dreams. Here's all my plans, all my goals. Here's all my future. I place it before you. Show me what you want me to change. Show me what you want me to do today and in the days that follow. Or every day in the future. What do you want to do? That's the way you and I can make a difference in 2015. Let's start making a difference right here in our lives and then watch us make a difference in somebody else's life. Let's stand. I'll give you the opportunity to come to the Lord and pray. and Pray that prayer if you so desire. If you're not afraid to say, Lord, here's all my stuff, all my dreams, all my goals, all my plans, and everything I got, I give it to you. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for our opportunity to proclaim your truth. I thank you, Lord, for the folks that are here today. I thank you, Lord, for what you've shown us, real men and women in the Bible that make mistakes just like, just like I do, like we do. Some of us are afraid to make that step, make that commitment. Oh, we accepted you as our Savior sometime, but Lord, we not ever found a church we want to serve in or, or Lord we've not ever committed it all to you it's still my stuff 
and I'll take care of my family, my stuff, my way. No, that's not what you want. It's your way or the highway. But I thank you, Lord, that heaven still waits for those that receive Christ because you died on the cross and gave us that free gift of salvation. Now you ask us to spend some of our time, some of our energy, some of our monies, some of our talents to please you. We thank you, Lord. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, listen to me careful. If you're here today and you are not 100% sure you go to heaven, would you just slide your hand up and put it back down? Say, I'm, I, I, I'm just not 100%. Okay, if you're here today and you are 100% sure, would you raise your hand, show everybody, amen, amen. All right, if you're here today and say, but there's something in my life, I don't want to know what it is that I need to commit to you, I need to give to you, would you raise your hand? Amen, amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for speaking to each of our hearts. We ask you, Lord, to continue to show us. Start with me. Lord, let me lead my house the way you'd have me to lead it. Show me what you want me to do. In Jesus' name, work with each man and woman here, each young person. Use them at school. Use them on the job. Use them in their home. We praise you and thank you. Amen. As the music's playing, whatever God spoke to your heart about, won't you come? Maybe you want to pray that prayer. Lord, here's all my stuff, all my dreams, all my plans, all my goals. Lord, show me what you want me to change, and I'll make that change. Not only that change today, but every day in the future. you want somebody to pray with you, won't you just come on down? We're glad to show you and help you. If you want somebody to pray with you, come on, don't be bashful. God said, won't you come, kneel at the altar, pray like I prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Say, Lord, I like things different in my life. But nevertheless, from now on, I don't want my will to be done. I surrender my will to you. I surrender it all to you. Whatever you got, whatever you want. Lord, here it is. I give it to you. Well, it's tough. That's hard, especially as an adult. But I guarantee, from experience, when you do it, it's a continued process. Just like Peter first loaned the boat, and then he forsook it, forsook it all. It takes time. I guarantee it's a step-by-step -step process. For some people come overnight, for me it didn't. I think for more people I know it doesn't come just overnight. It doesn't just happen. Whatever God's got for you, whatever God wants in your life, he wants the best. Like we sang, he loves you 
and he took our brokenness and he took our chaos he took our strife and he made something beautiful out of it and as Nyman saying the empty tomb says it all says he's coming back it's all there let's close in prayer today I'll let Joe close us in prayer this morning Heavenly Father, we come to you again. Thank you for this privilege we have to be here in your house. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word, Heavenly Father, that we will receive it in our hearts, Heavenly Father, and carry it with us to witness to others. As we leave here, could not let it stop here, but carry it on out, Heavenly Father, so that others will know you. We just ask, Heavenly Father, that you be with each and every one today. Heavenly Father, watch over and protect them and keep them safe until we return again. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise your name, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>